covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the Israelites during their travels. So please sit down, front, front through your rows. The rest of them are ahead of you. Thank you, Kathy. Well, now, here we are at the beginning of our talk, and we have brought together all of these amazingly precious things to build a beautiful place for God. And I think the first thing there, of course, if there's a, uh, an obvious lesson, well, two things really. One, God demands of us our best. He wants the best from us. He wants the best of us, not the leftovers. And this magnificent place was an incredible tribute to an awesome God. And that's the other aspect of God's character that I think sometimes, especially in churches where we're very informal, we can lose sight of. And that's why we thought we'd have a little bells and smells this morning. I know it set off a few chests. Um, But the idea was to just give us that sense that would have been of the awe of God in an incredible place. That our God is an awesome God. He is a holy God. But it also set me thinking, because isn't this a little bit, in some ways, a little bit strange? And especially if you're new to this stuff, you're thinking, so God lives in a tent. God lives in a tent. Which sent me thinking a little bit about, well, where does God live? Where on earth does God live? Would anyone like to, um, here, we're getting deep into some deep territory here, right from the start. Would anyone like to put their hand on, tell me where God lives, Jill? In each one of us. In each one of us. There you go. There's one very good answer. God lives in each one of us. Any other, any other answers out there from any younger ones? Want to, want to? Oh, Sharon, Sharon, you're a younger one. Yeah, yeah, you qualify. Uh, I just love the thought that uh, Paul talks about as being a temple of the Holy Spirit, and uh, we became the tabernacle when Jesus died on the cross. Yeah, right. Don't steal the talk. Cheers. <laughs> so, uh, why don't the young man here? Why don't you tell us? In heaven. In heaven. Yeah, that's a, that's a good answer, isn't it? God lives in heaven. Where's heaven? In the sky. Oh, in the sky. Heaven's up in the sky. It's a tough one, isn't it? Where's heaven? Do you remember the famous story of the cosmonaut, the first, the Russian guy into space, and he got up there and said, there is no heaven, which, um, yeah, that was a Russian accent, uh, which, is, which is a way of saying stick to cosmology, not to theology. Because as we, I think we know, and it's harder for the, for the young ones and monsters, it's a tough one to get our heads around, that heaven is not a physical place up there in the universe by the planets. The best way to think about heaven is where God is. It's God's space. God's space. It's heaven. And our space is the earth. And sometimes there's a lovely expression, uh, we were reminded of it by the Archbishop of Canterbury, uh, no less a personage, uh, at uh, New Wine the other week, when he, he quoted the Celtic tradition of saying, there are places that are thin places. And the idea of a thin place is that heaven and earth come so close that there's almost this, this interchange between the two. They're beautiful, uh, awesome places. 
So what I'd like to do in these next few minutes is just to skip through a section of the Bible to talk about briefly um, the idea of where on earth God is. And the section I've chosen uh, starts at Genesis uh, 2 or 3 and then goes through to Revelation 21. So that's the section I've chosen. If, you've, if you haven't got your ovens on for lunch before you came out, this could be a long, a long sitting. But I want to start right at the beginning of the story. Let's have that uh, first slide or second slide. So where on earth does God live? Remember in Genesis how things were at the beginning. God walking in the Garden of Eden with his people. This is what God wanted. He made us in his image. He wanted, he, he made us and loved us. And there was nothing that he wanted to do more than just to walk in the cool of the day with his people, with his creation, with Adam and Eve. But then, of course, we know that things went wrong. And sin came into the picture. Things went wrong from our side and we were separated from God. We were banished from the garden. But that didn't mean that God had given up. Because God's love is constant. And the story of our history is that God still wants to be with us desperately. He chases, he's pursued us. And so in this next image, we're back to where we are today. It's a little bit different though, isn't it? God dwelling on earth in the tabernacle. Heaven and earth coming together again, just in this very special place. But look at the difference. Look what's happened now, because now there are curtains There's a ritual of cleansing. There are sacrifices that have to be made. There's only certain people, Moses and the priests, that can go into that very holy place. So these restrictions are there because God is a holy God and and the rest of the people were not holy. We are not holy. And so all this elaborate structure and all these rituals and all this stuff here meant that God had to be there. He was there, but separate. And he guided them, but he still guided them. The pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud took them through the promised land. And what happened when they got to the promised land? Eventually, after a good few years had happened, who could guess, what's the next place they set up? Yell it out. There was a temple. Thank you very much. Now, let's have a look at the temple. That looks a bit familiar, doesn't it? It's not a million miles removed from how that whole tabernacle structure looked. But this was built by which king? Solomon, yes, exactly. David wanted to build, King David, the great King David wanted to build a temple and God said, no, this isn't for you, this is for your son. And Solomon built this amazing temple, but look at it, you've got the outer courtyard, you've got the inner sanctuary there in the the tall part of that building. So really the temple was a recreation, the tabernacle was moving around and everybody followed it and when they reached the promised land, eventually Solomon builds the temple. Now we're told in the book of 1 Kings, that when the, tab- the stuff from the tabernacle, the ark and all those bits were put into the temple, the temple was filled with the glory of God, the divine presence. So much so that the cloud stopped the priests from doing their work. The priests were in there, but it was so amazing, the divine presence, that the priests actually had to stop working. And so, But the temple was filled with the glory of God. Now things then went a bit wrong. And the Israelites were taken into captivity many years later. And they believed that God had abandoned them. And Ezekiel had this amazing vision of of the chariots of fire and God's presence leaving the temple. And the temple was destroyed. And even though it was built again, in the Bible it's not really not clear. 
that the divine presence ever filled that replacement temple in the same way as it did here with Solomon's original temple. And as Christians, we believe that God had an even better plan, an even bigger plan. The kind of plan that was hinted at here just a few moments ago when you were asking, where is God? Where else? Where then did heaven meet earth? I'm wearing his name whispered. Why don't you shout it out? Jesus. Jesus. Exactly. This was the great masterstroke. This was the plan, right? This was, wow. It was mind-blowing at the time. This was something certainly that the people of Israel were not expecting. That the temple was no longer going to be a building. The temple was a person. Not only a person, but the Son of God. God himself on earth. Heaven and earth together in Jesus Jesus referred to himself, didn't he? He said that the temple will be torn down and in three days it will be restored. He was talking of himself. The new temple. The living temple. And finally, God's master plan for the earth, for the salvation of everything, was uncovered. Jesus became heaven and earth together in one place. But then, of course, he died. He was crucified. He he rose again. He went back to heaven. So where on earth does God live now? Sharon, (laughs) he lives in us, doesn't he? Because two amazing things, two really important things happened when Jesus died. The most, well, equally important. First of all, he made it possible for our sins to be forgiven. So all of that holiness, all of those rituals, all of that elaborate structure, all of this, all of the curtain and everything, torn away. Because in Jesus, we have direct access to the Father and our sins can be forgiven. That's an objective thing that happened when Jesus died on the cross. And the second thing that happened was, when he went away, he sent himself back again. In spirit. The Holy Spirit. And so, as followers of Jesus, now, guess what? Where does heaven and earth meet? In us. In us. It's quite mind-blowing, isn't it, really? But it's kind of in us. Yeah, it's in us. Heaven and earth right here. Fantastic. Heaven and earth now meet together in each of us. Those who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. We are the new temples. As Sharon very nicely uh, previewed a few minutes ago, (laughs) Paul said, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. So all that structure, all that tabernacle and temple, all that stuff came together in Jesus. And then Jesus made it possible for all of us. And we are now where heaven and earth come together. And that's the mission that we're on. And there is a big picture here, you know, because when we become followers of Jesus, it's, this isn't the end of the story. Us just going, okay, well, I'm saved. I'm off to heaven. We were not saved so that we could live in a quiet corner room of the heavenly palace overlooking the celestial gardens. No, that wasn't the deal, people. The deal was that we joined the team. And there's an even bigger plan at play here. Because God wants it to be like it was at the beginning. He wants to bring all things back to himself. And how it was in the garden when everyone was, when he was walking and talking with his creation. St. John has given us a vision right at the end of the Bible in Revelation of what? Let's have a look at that next slide. A new heaven and a new earth. A new heaven and a new earth where God and his people can move freely again as they did Right at the beginning. This is the mission that we're on. And God wants to see that happen through us. 
So this is, this is what we're up for. When we become Christians, we, talk, we use lots of interesting language when we talk about becoming a Christian, accepting Jesus into our hearts as personal saviors and all that stuff. But actually what it means is we've seen that this is where God wants to go. We've seen that this is a beautiful place. We've looked around us in the world and we've seen the absolute misery that's out there in the world. We've seen that we can't cope on our own. We've seen the oppression and the war, the poverty, the loneliness, the desperation that this world has wrought upon itself. But we're the carriers of hope. We're the carriers of love. We contain the, we, we all have the image of the Father. Even those who haven't recognized Jesus Christ yet as their Lord are filled with the image of the Father. They just haven't known it yet. They haven't seen it. It's not been revealed to them. That's what we're there for. Little bits of heaven and earth wandering around, bringing the good news of Jesus Christ and his love and his compassion and his mercy and his truth into the lives of those we meet. That's what it's all about. That's what, does that sound good? Yeah. Does that sound like a team you might want to be on? Because we need more people. Stefan, yeah, look, I use my PowerPoint skills here to the absolute max. Look at that, doubling, quadrupling. The next one, look at that, took me quite a long time, that slide. Let me tell you right now. I'm sure there's a shortcut on PowerPoint. for. Do- anyway, the point is, the workers are few. Jesus said this, didn't he? The workers are few, but there is so much work to do. Because our little temples need to get out there and do this work. And ultimately, working towards God's vision, God's mission of heaven on earth, kingdom of heaven on earth. And it's a wonderful place to be. So I'm going to finish now just with a prayer. And it's one of those prayers that some of you will have prayed many times, but I want to put it in slightly different language. Because if you're not on the team, be on the team. This is a fantastic mission to be part of. And it may well be you haven't prayed this before, and if you have, pray it again. There's no harm in it. Let's pray. Lord, um, I want to be on your team. I want to see the amazing things that you have done come to fruition. We want to see your kingdom on earth. We want to see everybody know you. We want everybody to be little heavens on earth where heaven and earth meet. And ultimately, Lord, I want to be part of your team seeing not just Camberley transformed and not just Great Britain transformed, but the entire world come back under your control and command because that's a place of love and it's a place of compassion and there'll be no more tears and no more pain and no more suffering and I want to be part of that team yes Lord so forgive me for going my own way forgive me for not recognizing who you are and put me straight because I want to follow you from now on amen Now, if you prayed that prayer and it was the first time you prayed, do tell somebody afterwards because it's a really important step that you just made. And if it's a recommitment, think about about yourselves as the temple. Think about when you go out there who you're talking to and who you're meeting and what that means and who you represent. Amen.